Welcome to the SOSV Climate Tech Summit podcast series. I am the AI voice of Ben Joff, a partner at SOSV and co-curator of the summit. In this episode, three startup founders discuss the industrial sector's focus on reducing carbon emissions and the challenges they face. Their technologies cover alternatives to various materials and approaches to reduce energy consumption in the chemical industry and for the production of industrial heat. They also discuss the investment landscape and the role of strategic investors in the industry. This conversation is moderated by Duncan Turner, SOSV General Partner and Hacks Managing Director. Hi everyone, my name is Duncan. I am General Partner at SOSV and Managing Director at Hacks where we have a huge focus on the industrial sector. So I am very excited to be um, hosting this uh, panel discussion. Now, the industrial sector is enormous. It provides us with everything that we need from water to Wi-Fi, the, the real essentials, the clothing we wear, the shelves we have over our heads. And it contributes to around 30% of global emissions. That's an enormous amount. And Due to that, the whole sector is going through what I would call the next industrial revolution at the moment, where some of the brightest minds in the world are flocking to the sector to decarbonize it. We've got three such leaders today who I'm going to introduce in a minute. But before I do, I just want to talk a little bit about how that sector is broken down. The majority of the energy that goes into that sector is an industrial heat for processes. We've got two companies here today who are going to be talking about what they're doing with two different approaches to solve this issue. And then the second area and the third company is looking specifically at the off gases, the carbon emissions, which accounts for about 5% of the entire global emissions just in off gases from chemical processes to make the things that we need. So with that as a backdrop, I wanted to introduce our first guest, Korczeska. Korczeska, you have a very impressive academic background in this field, postdoc and PhD. Love for you to explain very quickly what you do at Ozone Bio. Hello, everyone. Uh... OzoneBio is a Canadian seed stage company. We produce first in the world uh, adipic acid from wood-derived waste using so-called zombie cells catalysis. Adipic acid is the main building block of high-performance polymer nylon 66 that you can find everywhere from car parts to running shoes. It's overall $30 billion market. Uh, since the Second World War and up until now, nylon 66 is made only from petrochemicals and it contributes to at least 60 million tons of greenhouse gases emission every year. The most dangerous one is nitrous oxide that is 300 times more toxic than CO2, stays in atmosphere for 100 years and uh, uh, destroying ozone layer. So we're looking to replace oil-derived nylon 66 with uh, wood-derived adipic acid and nylon 66 using our advanced biocatalytic method. Thank you. And then specifically in the industrial energy and in both cases industrial heat, we have two companies who again have completely different approaches to this to um, reduce carbon emissions. So first I'm going to go to Mohammed. Mohammed, you also have spent a lot of time in academia um, and you've got a very specific focus to what you do. Could you tell everyone about the focus for Sipure? Yes, definitely. So um... You know, as, as you all know, 40 years ago, we were distilling water to purify it and use it like desalination. We're all heat based. And nowadays, no one is actually talking about distilling water because we have membranes, uh, reverse osmosis membranes everywhere that you can just pass the, you know, dirty water or salinated water through through the filter and get the pure water out of it with very minimal energy. But looking at the industry today, all the chemical industries, 
are basically running based on heat because there is no uh, available solution for the uh, organic solvents and chemicals to do the same way filtration. So 10% of the world's energy or 50% of the industry energy used in the U.S. is being spent on chemical separation processes that use heat for uh, you know, that process. So we are replacing that with a membrane-based approach similar to what happened to water 40 years ago, but with a more robust and chemical resistant nanofilter that's able to separate chemical mixtures from each other at 90% lower energy consumption and 90% lower emissions. So we're using them in vegetable oil, semicon, pharma, oil and gas, um, and uh, specialty chemicals uh, to separate organic solvents, purify them, recycle them. So we recently raised the Series A, uh, which was led by SOSV, um, it was a 12 million round, and uh, now we are scaling our production. Uh, we have built our manufacturing facility in Singapore, um, and we are scaling it uh, in other parts of the world eventually. Thanks. And then finally, John, we had a fascinating chat about your background in the uh, meeting before this. Um, so as I remember, this was uh, Rondo was a result of your fourth and fifth startup where you were taking solar energy and applying that to industrial heat. Um, you saw some new opportunities there, particularly with the way in which the climate is at the moment. Could you tell us all about what you're doing at Rondo? Yeah, thank you. Um, thank, and thank you for the introduction because uh, industrial heat is a quarter of world final energy use and a quarter of world CO2. And users of industrial heat are keenly sensitive to the cost. It's a big part of the cost of production. That's one of the reasons people have said it's hard to decarbonize. I've been working on finding low cost pathways, developing low cost pathways for clean industrial heat for 15 years. Previously, some of us, the team here delivered more than half of all the solar industrial heat that's running worldwide with concentrating solar technologies, mirrors and targets, and could never reach the breadth of geography, the cost, and the continuity that was necessary. Over the last decade, the falling cost of PV and wind solar, wind and solar electricity have meant that if we had a solution for continuity, if we could store energy at suitable cost efficiency and temperature, we could replace all that fossil fuel with renewable electricity without changing the factories and go faster in decarbonizing. And we're entering this world where wind and solar, have, as they come down, they become cheaper than fuel. And Rondo is building a new type of energy storage to provide that continuity. Now that every other piece of the economics and the ability to build are in place. Great. And what stage you're at at the moment? I think yeah, about so, a month ago you announced some, yeah. so, uh, some news. Yeah, it's been it's been really a, a, a journey. You know, we as I said, a number of us have been working on the problem for 15 years. We knew a lot about what doesn't work, and three and a half years ago we said, "Let's start with a clean sheet of paper." We recognized that we could use century-old technology, energy storage at large scale in steel mills around the world today uses half a million tons of brick we realized we could use that brick kind of the way they do and store electrical energy, uh, built a series of prototypes, built a company, did a series A at the end of 2021. And 
uh, about a month ago now, brought in industrial investors, one of the world's largest mining companies, one of the world's largest chemical companies, one of the world's largest fuel producers, one of the world's largest data center operators uh, to go big and go fast. Today, we're cross, we're be crossing 100 people shortly on four continents. We have manufacturing capacity stood up at about two gigawatt hours a year right now, ramping to 90 over the next three or four years. And maybe most important, it, it works. We're running our first commercial unit, which is which happens to be the world's highest efficiency energy storage of any kind, at well over 90% efficient, and uh, also the highest temperature. We're selling heat to a biofuel producer, and we're now building uh, our next project and contracting a whole series. So it's it's an exciting. That's great. Moment. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Well Congratulations on, on, on raising that money, particularly in this climate. Um, and I do want to just talk a little bit about that. So, you know, obviously we're in a bit of a downturn at the moment um, within the, the venture asset class as a whole. And industrial companies, i.e. your customers, not necessarily you, are typically very slow to, to replace equipment, to change. They've got large industrial systems. It's hard for them to augment things, to change things. Why have you picked the areas you have done and what makes you think they're venture scalable? Uh, I think I'll ask that first to Mohammed. Yeah, thanks for the question. Yeah, definitely um, in, in some industrial sectors, especially large ones like oil and gas or like traditional uh, you know, uh, businesses, they are very slow to adopt new technologies and uh, you know, replace the existing processes, the membrane, because they've already invested in some of the capex and uh, getting rid of those or implementing new ones, it's it's definitely a lengthy process. But one, once you're in, you're in basically for good. So uh, it's high quality revenue stream, large amount of money uh, lies in those industries that uh, you can unlock once you're in. So we are happy that we're working with partners that are really committed um, along along the way throughout the, the whole journey of replacing the existing processes to, to sustainable ones. But uh, we are also doing um, something, uh, you know, um, at the side of uh, the, the main stream of the business, which is we've created a resolve system that is a standalone solvent recovery system that we are giving it to our customers who are currently burning or like giving the, the solvent away to solvent, uh, you know, waste collectors to incinerate them. Uh, and we are enabling them to do recycling of those solvents in-house to just buy a lot less solvents and uh, you know create a lot less waste and then that uh, increases the the you know the profitability by keep recycling and reusing the solvent that they use to incinerate or um, pay for incineration of that solvent so this is a, right. a standalone process that doesn't need integration so it's a very unique and fast process uh, to be implemented nice and Kochesko, you're in a very um, interesting area because there's just no alternatives, right? So it'd be great to uh, like, get the same answer from you or to, uh, answer the same question. Um, why is it the industrial companies are coming to you and how can you move at a kind of a venture pace? So in case of the nylon 6.6, it's one of the most high performance and resilient polymer uh, 
that humankind ever created. At the same time, it's very uh, flexible. So we cannot replace Nylon 6.6 with any other biodegradable, bio-based alternative that currently exists on the market. So we have to continue making the same molecule, but because of the huge emission index and uh, because of the lack of the alternatives, uh, uh, industry will eventually have to switch to the much more eco-friendly solution and eventually customers have to have a choice um, to buy either oil-derived nylon 66 or bio-derived nylon 66 when they will realize that uh, per one nylon 66 pants or high-performance outwear that they're wearing, uh, emission index is at least 1,000 liters of CO2, that's enough to, to fill the uh, two-bedroom apartment. Customers will eventually choose eco-friendly solution and uh, industry will have to gradually switch to the uh, emission zero solutions. That's why uh, most of the industries come and talk to us. And uh, another reason is the feedstock that we're using to produce nylon 66 is wood-derived waste. So we never target sugar or any coconut oil or any other expensive feedstock. We only target waste because we think that waste is our future as a feedstock. Oil is going to be eventually run out of we're gonna run out of oil and uh, wood derived is readily available while oil to make oil it takes millions of years and unfortunately there are no dinosaurs anymore to make it so cool. yeah definitely <laughs> that will be uh um turn to uh, eco emission in emission right. so you're enabling a completely carbon-free process which then people can sell on to the downstream customers is uh, it does cost pay a part of it? Are people prepared to pay, pay a premium for your product or do they even need to? So uh, the thing is for, I'll give like easy example. So one kilo of uh, adipic acid is emission index is 6,000 liters. And for one nylon six expense, it's about 150 grams of adipic acid. Uh, and uh, the cost of one kilo of nylon is like about like $10, $7, maybe even less. But people already pay for one pair of nylon six expense or jacket is about like 300 sometimes even more uh, 300 dollars so they kind of already pay very big premium so it's um, maybe like a little bit extra premium for the emission uh, reduction uh, customers would rather prefer uh, versus paying uh, fully oil derived nylon 66 the only mm -hmm. issue right now there are no alternatives on the market so like i said up until now mm -hmm. we remain the only one that ever succeeded to produce nylon 66 adipic acid from wood derived waste, even at the small scale. And John? Thank you. You know, the question you asked, you know, can this be done at venture, kind of returns, venture time? That's the I hard I guess you've thing, already right? proven it has. Yeah. yeah. And, and well, look, no, I've <laughs> failed at that a couple of times, right? I've had to sell one entity because we could not get a first $600 million project over the line because with the juvenile technology, we weren't bankable. And we didn't have a balance mm. ourselves and that matter. Okay. Where do you create the greatest value? There are a lot of places, industries in the world where we solve an existential problem. And those are the people who are likely to act most quickly. Um, so focus on that. But you know, I, I mentioned that we've focused on not changing the factories because people do take 50 years to change their factories make this a drop-in and you know mm -hmm. if, if 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 you own one of these facilities and you've said you're going to told your investors or your regulator that you're going to decarbonize without changing the factory 
you have maybe two options. Uh, start burning hydrogen, put in electrolytic hydrogen and yeah. run hydrogen boilers, uh, or do something with us or this class of electric thermal storage. The hydrogen pathways all use at least twice as much electric power and two or three times as much capital. And that electric power, our ability to build and the permit and build the wind and solar facilities is the rate limiting step in the energy transition everywhere. Can't right. get out of our own way yep. and permitting. So um, we by saving twice as much CO2, twice as much natural gas per megawatt hour at half the capital cost, there are a lot of reasons why folks are interested. But to your point about timing, one of our big areas of focus is partnerships with folks who are willing to work with us on early bankability and rigorously eliminating new stuff. The heating elements we use are 100 years old. The brick we use is 200 years old in that service so that as we build units, we don't year, need years to figure out if they're going to last a long time. And you know, we are opening one of the greatest business opportunities there is for wind and solar developers who are facing, you know, five year, 15 year interconnection delays. Wind and solar development are slowing down because the grid is clogged. What we're doing creates utility scale demand, you know, 700 megawatts, 1500 megawatts right here that needs no grid connection. So we've really tried to identify, so for that community that wants to put mm. project capital to work, we actually change their timelines. And so it is, you're, you're talking, this is the hard yards, right? It is moving from, you know, uh, uh, technology that can deliver venture returns to infrastructure that want, that in order to deliver energy at a particular cost, we need infrastructure returns. Those folks need certainty. We need to get to certainty as fast as possible. And trying to solve for that, as I mentioned in this most recent financing, we brought in Rio Tinto. We solve very big problems for them. They're very public about that. They're creating pull and helping us align all the other moving parts so that we know we're solving the right problem. We know how to drop into facilities. Right. and we can bring folks to the table so that we can start developing revenues early. There are a lot of different parts of the answer to your question. Sure. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great so, question. I guess one, one bit. All of yeah. you know, everything in energy transformation you know, has that same matter. It does. And it all does have CapEx. I mean, you mentioned that yours is half CapEx. I know. Mohammed, you you have capex as a core part of installing some of this technology. I'm curious to understand from all of you how do you justify that capex expenditure to a lot of these industries that are sometimes low margin industries? And do carbon avoidance credits come into that? Who wants to take the question? Well, from our side, uh, the short answer is, as I mentioned, we create this giant opportunity for folks who want to put capital to work building large scale renewables. So, you know, the wind and solar guys are building things that include lithium ion batteries serving the grid. Those that same community is eager to work with us 
including heat batteries that offer heat as a service, not electricity as a service. That's part one. There are places where every place in the world as renewables get to scale in the grid, we start to see more and more price volatility. Here in the United States, last year in Oklahoma, there were 2000 hours of negative wholesale electricity prices and a grid connected Rondo heat battery pays for itself in about 18 months because of what it, pay, it saves you on your gas bill. That matter okay, great. of yeah. what is, how does capital justified? It's different in different places and different types of projects. Yep. But again, that's a critical question. Mohamed Kocheska. So yeah, regarding the, the, the CapEx, so sometimes is is a little bit like tricky working with customers that they don't want to actually spend on the on the CapEx. So for some of some of the models, you have a zero CapEx model, which means we are leasing the, the, the whole equipment to the to the customer with the maintenance and then they pay us on a monthly basis and then they start seeing savings on a monthly basis when they do that. So it's a very interesting business model for them. For some of them that yes. Uh, they want to actually invest on the can you can you partner with a bank to do that do you like or you're yes. not funding that yourself yeah so so we are talking to some of the biggest banks uh, so there are green financing programs already in place that they can either like lend us money to do that uh, with the customers and we recoup the cost like over five years with them or they're gonna actually help the customer to acquire this new technology and then the, they're gonna work with the bank uh, you know the customer directly will work with the bank so that's one way uh, another one is in many countries or many industries they are not really aware of or they're not going to take advantage of the, the carbon credit so in those cases we can actually claim that and then that will help us to reduce the, the initial cost for the customer because that's a another extra you know revenue stream for sepure um, and then in those cases we can actually reduce the cost of acquisition of this technology for the customer who wants to use it um, yeah, so, and it's not aware of that carbon credit part of it. Interesting. In, Kuchiska, our, case, you? in our case, we're looking to um, change the existing still on the ground for the big chemical facilities that already producing endipic acid or actually producing nylon 66. So we're actually looking to uh, convert like a little bit the structure of these facilities to be to fit into our process. And that's basically what we're doing right now in collaboration with one of the biggest pallet nylon 66 pallet producers in states. So they have already still on the ground and they have a target to replace oil-derived adipic acid with the bio-derived in the next 50 years. And uh, they have a big facility. So basically that existing facility should be converted into uh, the facility suitable for the bio-adipic acid production. And our target is to simplify the equipment that we're using, simplify the process. And second, uh, secondly, well, because we're using um, wood-derived waste as a product, as a main feedstock, the side product of our process is biochar that can be used to generate the carbon credits and overall the process is emission zero. So we can, uh, we're generating a lot of carbon credits related to the adipic acid production that can be paired by, by selling the adipic acid and also be sold to the different uh, customers that are interested in um, uh, reducing the CO2 emission flow on their supply chain or any other purposes. Great. I'd like to now change, just if you come to the end, to talk a little bit about the investment landscape. You've all just raised or maybe in the process of thinking about a new raise. Curious to kind of get a finger on a pulse from you, how you think the investment landscape for the industrials has changed during this overall venture downturn. 
um, across the whole industry. And John, in particular, you mentioned um, the role that strategic investors have started to play with you. I'm wondering for others, have you seen something similar? Um, and then also, have there been any other factors that have improved um, the overall landscape, such as the IRA bill that have come in that have potentially created some tailwinds for you? Tesla recently completed their master plan three they published, I think, a few months ago. They identified, they did a systematic look and they said the, the fully decarbonized world needs twice as much thermal bat battery storage as grid battery storage. They think it's about three and a half trillion dollars with another roughly $15 trillion of renewable generation connected to it. Um, we think they're about right. We think the cost is less uh, for the, the batteries, but against that landscape, you know, we're talking about one of the greatest opportunities in modern times um, for anyone that's connected with renewables. This is the next wave. And we're not seeing a shortage of interest in being in this sector. This is a sector that is probably the fastest growth. And there are now at least a dozen startups using all kinds of new materials from liquid salts to liquid metals. There was a, another one that was just piloted recently to solid carbon. And I think there are going to be a lot when trillion dollar markets happen, there are lots of shots on goal. We are really more concerned with the partnerships, both to guide the longer term application of this technology and to make sure we're laser focused on the, the early yards. And it is the not the venture community primarily, but the infrastructure investment community, the folks who want to put, you know, two, three billion dollars to work with us and build a portfolio of projects in the United States or elsewhere. The IRA is making a difference. The ongoing, the expansion of the uh, pr uh, production tax credit to solar, the extension for wind is bringing the costs of those of, of electricity continuing to drop it so that in more and more of the country, without carbon credits, without any other drivers, it's just simpler. It's cheaper. It's just cheaper than business as usual. That motivates folks, but that's necessary, but not sufficient. There are lots of cases where uh, corporate commitments to decarbonization, this is one of the biggest things that's changed for me over the last 15 years I've been working in this. We've moved from people talking about wanting to decarbonize to making FID, making investment decisions, driving projects. And um, the IRA is actually helping quite meaningfully. The Department of Energy is Great. creating focused industrial programs out of that money. And they're, yeah, it's been a, it's an excellent carrots uh, program. Yeah. Yeah. Kocheska, Mohammed, you're both in Canada. Have you seen something similar there? Um, are you seeing similar benefits of the IRA? Yeah, so so I just want to add a little bit to the to the strategic, you know, investors' role in, in this. So I'm I'm really agreeing with, with John on on the commitments that's coming from the the corporations. They really want to reduce emissions and they want to you know take all the opportunities that exist on on changing the existing processes, uh, modifying them, um, and better use of the resources to reduce emissions, reduce the energy consumption, and overall cost of the the processes that they have. So, so on this side, so we are talking to so many different 
corporates that they are already in energy sector, in uh, chemical sector, that uh, not only they want to invest in these sort of companies uh, like us, but uh, they want to be also a user of the product. product. So on that end, I see uh, a little bit of shift um, in mm. industry sector from uh, using you know traditional VC money uh, going towards like more strategic investor corporate VC money. Francesca, how about you? Yeah, we've seen a lot of interest from the strategic investors and uh, um, the most interest I think for the last year we see from actually uh, corporate America for the uh, corporate um, companies that either produce or buy the uh, petrochemicals, uh, uh, commodity mm. chemicals, and they're looking to reduce the emission index also because I think next year there will be a law to put the emission index on each product that will be produced. And they're looking for any portfolio chemicals that can be made or potentially can be made with a bio-based or re reduction uh, emission. Um, in terms of the uh, VC, uh, uh, traditional VC versus the um, strategic VC, um, definitely more interest with uh, from the strategic investors uh, start appearing, but as well as from the traditional uh, venture capital um, because of the climate agenda is getting even stronger yeah. today because of the forest fires and everyone is just feeling it. So I think this sector will be in hot for the for the next uh, decades. Yep. Yeah. Well, as an avid cyclist, I'm shocked that my Lycra is creating such a problem. I, I wasn't aware until today. So at least thank you for letting me know that. And um, yeah, look, thanks to everybody for taking part in this panel. Um, I found it really informative myself. Thanks, everyone, for your time.